The Holy Spirit is a gift to the believer, a helper, a comforter, an advocate, and then some. But did you know that we can frustrate the Holy Spirit by our actions, our words, and we may not even be aware of it? In this series, Please, Please Grieve Not the Holy Spirit, we'll look into how this happens and, more importantly, what we can do to make sure it doesn't happen. Let's jump in. Well, today, we are going to continue a study that we began actually one month ago to the date at our Thursday night Bible study. And I believe that as we keep our hearts open to receive the word shared, we will grow thereby, being strengthened individually and collectively. The title of this lesson is, Please, 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 Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. I will attempt to provide you with a brief review because I don't want to spend, you know, like a whole lot of time reviewing. But please note that this is definitely a time that you need to purchase part one of this study on CD. Now, for those of you who know me and you know how I will, ch I choose to always be my authentic self. This has nothing to do with me, okay? I don't get anything from the CDs. I'm not trying to get you all to just go and buy CDs, but I am suggesting that you do it because a lot of material actually was covered in part one, and it's for your spiritual enrichment and edification. So please consider uh, purchasing that first CD, okay? So we're going to turn with me to Genesis, the first chapter, and the 26th verse. And I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. Now, we're going to be going through quite a few scriptures, so if you find it cumbersome to have to look at everything, our media staff is wonderful, and most things are going to be up on the screen behind me, but you can just jot it down. But what I really would appreciate is if you get to the scripture, just say amen or something so I know that you have it. Okay? Is that fair enough? Amen. Praise God. Okay, so with Genesis 1:26, do you have it? All right, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, and it says, Then God said, Let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. As the scripture shows us, the Godhead is comprised of three distinct entities, the first being the Father, the second, the Holy Spirit, I mean, sorry, the second, the Son, and the third, the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned before, it's no wonder that since we are created in God's image, according to his likeness, that we are what? We're tripart beings. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. So as discussed in the previous lessons, quite a bit of time is spent talking about God the Father and Jesus our Lord and Savior. While it seems that equal time is not always given to the person of the Holy Spirit. In order for us not to grieve him, we need to become more familiar with him. Ergo, why this lesson is being taught. We have established that the Godhead is comprised of three entities. Each entity has their own personality and function. Let's turn to Romans, the eighth chapter, 
and we're going to look at verses 26 through 27. Romans 8, 26 through 27. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified first, and then I'm going to read it to you really quickly out of the Living Bible. So do you have it? Praise God. The 26th verse out of the Amplified says, In the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness, we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should. But the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. Now the Living Bible translation says, and in the same way, by our faith, the Holy Spirit helps us with our daily problems and in our praying. For we don't even know what we should pray for nor how to pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with such feeling that it cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all all hearts knows, of course, what the Spirit is saying as he pleads for us in harmony with God's own will. So as you can see, the word spirit is capitalized as it should be. Normally throughout scripture, when you see spirit capitalized with a capital S, it is referring to the Holy Spirit. If it's our spirits, yours and mine, it's usually a lowercase s. So just kind of keep that in your mind as we're moving forward. So these scriptures have told us what? They've let us know that the Holy Spirit has a mind. Amen. All right. Now, just jot this down. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 12. Now, we're going to visit these verses of scripture moving forward in the lesson. But as far as review, we did go over these scriptures before, and it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and establishes that the Holy Spirit has a distinct will. So, this lets us know that so far, he's got what? A mind, and he also has a will. Now, we also looked at Isaiah 63:10. Now, I'm not going to turn to it, but jot it down. All of this is review. In Isaiah 63.10, we learn of another aspect of the Holy Spirit. And this aspect tells us that the Holy Spirit can experience grief. Now, grief, as you know, I will define it for you, is a keen mental suffering or distress over affliction or loss, sharp sorrow, painful regret, a cause or occasion of keen distress or sorrow. Now, many of us have experienced that, correct, at some point in our lives? Well, the Holy Spirit can also experience it according to Isaiah 63.10. Now, in order to experience grief, you have to feel it. Would you agree with that? So this lets us know that the Holy Spirit has emotions. So we know he has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. We've just established that. What else do we know about him? We also learn that he is our helper. Turn with me to John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. And we're going to read verses 24 through 26. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. John 14, starting with verse 24. Do you have it? Okay, it says... 
one who does not really love me does not keep my words. And the word teaching, which you hear, is not mine, but it is the Father's who sent me. I have told you these things while I was still with you. Now, obviously, in case you did not know, this is Jesus speaking. But the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. Praise God. Now, we also, while you're in John, go right over to the 16th chapter because that teaches us another quality of the Holy Spirit. John 16, we're going to read verses 8 through 10, and I'm going to read these to you out of the easy-to-read version, because it really cuts right to the chase. So verse 8 of John 16 says, when the helper comes, he will show the people of the world how wrong they are about sin, about being right with God and about judgment. He will prove that they are guilty of sin because they don't believe in me. He will show them how wrong they are about how to be right with God. The helper will do this because I am going to the Father. You will not see me then. So this is a very important aspect of the Holy Spirit because another thing that he does is he awakens unsaved people, which is why we have to be so careful when there's an altar call, whether it's here, I don't care where you are, if you're even visiting, we have to be very, very conscious of the fact that, see, we kind of sometimes, and we don't always mean to do it, but we just look at it like, okay, it's the altar call, I'm saved, my spiritual need is taken care of, and you know, we either, some people take a nap, or that's when they get their mints before they're getting ready to go out and see their friends, you know, or whatever they may do. That's not what we're supposed to do. That is really a perfect example of grieving the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit, through the whole service has been working on awakening that unsaved person. And when they're given the opportunity to accept Jesus, why do you always hear, or not always, but you should always maybe hear, the person say, Christians are praying softly in the Spirit. We're assisting the Holy Spirit at his job so that the person will then have the courage to come forward and be able to have their spiritual need met. So we don't need to be doing other things. We need to, whatever moments you're in, be there. We need to be present and assist the Holy Spirit, not grieve him by doing other things. Amen? Okay, that's a very important point. Well, while you're in John, let's look at, you can stay in the 16th chapter, and let's just look at the 13th verse. John 16, 13. And I'm going to read it to you first out of the Amplified. Are you there? Okay. It says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, full and complete truth. In other words, he's not going to be like your friends. He's not going to be like, you know, <laughs> some of your associates. He's going to be authentic with you. And he's going to tell you whether you like it or not, 
the absolute truth. And believe me, that's the best, always. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. Now the easy to read says it a little bit more simplistic, but it says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will not speak his own words. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what will happen in the future. <clears throat> this lets us know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit is our guide. And we know he's going to speak the truth. But I don't think all the times we think about where we need him to speak the truth. When it comes to business matters, when it comes to our health, when it comes to our marriages, our finances, I mean, the list can go on and on and on. And we don't always solicit his help. You know, doctors are wonderful. They are. They were put here for a purpose. We should go and get our checkups and all of that. I mean, I think doctors are a wonderful thing. But I can stand before you and tell you personally that the Holy Spirit has helped me help my doctor because the Holy Spirit created me. The doctor did not. So the doctor can only tell you based on textbooks, you know, or what he's learning. I'm not knocking that. Praise the Lord for doctors. But sometimes they don't know. And sometimes they might be honest enough to tell you, we don't know. We don't know exactly what this is. But if we, the body of Christ, ask our creator, the Holy Spirit will tell us. Then we can go back to the doctor with what he's told us and wow, it seems like the clouds have just been cleared. And then you can get whatever assistance from the doctor you need so that you can receive the manifestation of your healing. Amen? Okay, so let me give you some examples. Well, this is just a little side note, but I guess it's meant to be said, so I'm going to say it. There are some people in here who are single, and you, this is a good time, remember to get your date for your wedding, <laughs> but anyway, you're believing for that perfect mate, and I submit to you that you need to seek the person of the Holy Spirit to guide you. Don't leave it up to your finite knowledge. Because your finite knowledge, ladies, and I, I have to, ref, you know, I refer a lot to ladies because I am a lady, so it makes sense. You will kiss a lot of frogs before you ever find the prince. Okay, a lot of them will be disguised as the prince. And when it's all said and done, they aren't. They are the frogs. So you need to really seek his face and ask him. Because see, he will give you the truth as we just said, and he will be able to share with you some of those things that you could never figure out on your own, and you'll know that before you go ahead and make that covenant with the frog instead of the prince. <laughs> uh, I don't know who that was for, but whatever, praise the Lord. Okay, so let me give you some examples. When I was first filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I want to make this I think, because you guys all pretty much know this, but you know, there might be somebody who does not. It is one thing to be born of the Spirit of God. So when you accept Jesus 
into your life as your Lord and personal Savior and Lord, you are born of the Spirit of God. You are born again. That's a wonderful thing. But that's only the first part of the transaction. The second part that's available to you is to be filled to overflowing with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Now, a lot of people have a lot of challenges and a lot of misconceptions when it comes to that. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because I want to try to cover everything else. But I have to let you know, there is a distinct difference. And if you're not clear, please find out what that difference is. I'll give you a real quick example, perhaps. Think of a pitcher of water. And you take that pitcher, it's empty. That's before you're born again. You now are born again, okay? And the pitcher starts filling up with water. Wonderful. But now you want to receive all that God has for you. You don't want to just have his spirit limited to a pitcher full. You want all of it. So you want it to be overflowing and constantly moving and overflowing. That's being filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And based upon scripture, that's evidenced by speaking with other tongues. The other thing that's so wonderful about that is when you speak with other tongues, you are literally opening up the portal to heaven. Which means that, as we've already read, and we haven't even gotten all into our scriptures, that the Holy Spirit is only going to tell you what he hears of the Father. So, if you are believing for whatever the situation is, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a business, whether it's a child, whether it's a loved one, to be saved, whatever it is, he will give you his wisdom. I would rather any Anytime, there is nothing in this world that compares to the infinite wisdom of God. So when I pray in the Spirit, I keep that portal open and I can hear directly from heaven what it is that God wants to say to me. But now, you don't have to have that. That's your choice. It's okay. You can just settle for the picture with the Spirit of God in you. That's a good thing because at least you escape hell. You know, you're going to go to heaven. But what I submit to you is he gave us that helper. He gave us that comforter because he knows living in this earth realm, you know, there's some challenges that arise. And wouldn't you want to be able to just do it with joy and success? Or do you just want to keep trying to do it in your little finite wisdom? That's your choice. So anyway, for me, (laughs) I knew that I didn't want to be limited. So back in 1984, at one of Apostle Price's crusades, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit evidenced with speaking with other tongues. Now, I have to tell you, I didn't even, I didn't know anything about the person of the Holy Spirit. I just knew that this was something I wanted because it was something else that God offered and I wanted everything that he had. But I still had to learn about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I suspect that I'm not the only one Okay, I think that there are other people who have had to learn or who are still learning and we can share with them. Okay, so a lot of things, (laughs) I have a lot of funny stories, but I'm going to try to keep it condensed. Um, I was excited knowing that the Holy Spirit dwelled within me. 
But I had to learn to welcome him, always listen to him, and learn his presence. See, that's a, that sounds real simplistic, but it really isn't because that's not something that naturally we're born into understanding. Because, you know, when you're born, you just, you're born and it's you and everything you know about you as a human being. But now you have been filled with the spirit of the Most High God and he literally is dwelling in you. As a matter of fact, this isn't in my notes, but I want to make sure you are following me. So turn with me to John's Gospel, and let's hope technology works. Yes. John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, and we're going to look at the 16th verse. Sorry, a media department, because I didn't tell you this, but blame it on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. The 16th verse, and it says, do you have it? Yes. Okay. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. This is the New King James Version. I like this version. Abide means that he will take up residence. He will never, ever leave you. Okay, the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive. See, that's the other thing. This precious gift is only available to believers. The world can't receive it. It's not something that they have the right and privilege to, to have. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, you do know him. Remember the picture, okay? He's already in you, so you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. So, when I was first filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, I knew he was in me. But I did have to learn his presence. And I had to learn when I heard him that it was him actually talking to me. Now, you've heard things, you've heard people say, I'm sure, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he speaks in a still, small voice. Well, as believers... When you're first becoming accustomed to his presence, you might even say things like, something on the inside of me told me to do that. Or, you know, my first mind was that I should have done thus and so. Or, my gut feeling on this is you should do this or you should do that. Not recognizing that that is the still small voice of the Holy Spirit that's in your presence directing you with what it is you're supposed to do. Well, to give you an example, one morning, now this is really dating myself, we already know I'm a little bit older than, <laughs> I wanna always, well I don't care, I'm a little bit older than most of you. So, there used to be a department store called Gimbel's. Does anybody remember that store? Oh, so some of you are, okay. <laughs> okay, so some of y'all are a little, mm, well praise the Lord. <laughs> Well, Gimbel's was having a big sale. Now, how many of you know that, well, if you don't know, I love to shop, and it was having a big sale, okay? So my eldest son at the time wasn't quite three. He was a little over two and a half. And I had put the girls out to school, and I was like, yes, we're going shopping. Gimbel's was having this sale. I had my list ready. I was ready to go. And I get in the car, and I back out of the garage, and I'm backing out to get ready to back out of the garage and off out of the driveway and go onto the street. Now, I will say this to you. 
Just like when you fall in love for the first time, you know how it seems like everything the person you've fallen in love with, oh, I mean, you know, their breath smells like roses and, you know, <laughs> you know her hair looks like it's just blowing and all this stuff we have in our mind. It's just wonderful. After a while, reality sits in and you're like, you know what, you could use a mint. <laughs> You need to go buy yourself some hair. You know, all of those things later on. Well, when I first received the gift of the Holy Spirit, I was still in that stage where I was very sensitive. I mean, I was paying attention to every single thing. So, when I'm backing out of the driveway, he told me to stop. And I'm like, my first thing is, I'm going to Gimbal's, okay? But he said, no, go back. Like, move the car back up toward the garage. Like, so I was like, okay. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe I need to change the baby. And I'm like, I just put him in this car seat, you know? And I'm thinking, I'll just change him when I get to the store. Because I really didn't feel like dealing with the car seats. If you've ever had one, you got to take all the stuff out. I didn't want to do that. But I, did, I was obedient. And I pulled back up toward the garage. When I assessed that I could see nothing, I was like, I don't see anything. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. All of a sudden, a black sedan came racing down my street at over 70 miles an hour. And he hit a 35-year-old man, father of three children, coming home from work. He killed that man. He decapitated him. Had I backed out, that would have been me and my son. And I gotta tell you, I didn't go to Gimbel's that day. Because for me, it got to me on so many different levels. First of all, I saw this police officer. You see, all police officers are not bad. He worked on this man. He didn't realize he was decapitated because it was inside his skin. He worked on him. He was crying. I, I was praying because I walked down there. I was praying because it was a few you know, houses away that he hit the person. And make a long story short, when the, the emergency people got there, they you know, pronounced him dead and explained to the officer he had been decapitated and the officer just sat on the curb and cried. And I felt for him because he worked on him. He was trying everything he could. But it got to me that it's like, God, the most high God thought enough of me to keep me from being that one that was hit. So you see, just one little incident. Another time, the word of the Holy Spirit gave me a large word of knowledge that settled a big business matter for my husband and myself. And that I talk about, so I'm not even going to talk about that. I talk about that in another uh, teaching called Turn Up the Volume. And I came up with that idea of turn up the volume because that's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. Anything that you need an answer to, he turns up the volume so you know exactly what it is that God would have you to do. But another thing that was interesting when I first received the gift of the Holy Spirit was we were working on a crusade and one of our mentors who worked, or one of my mentors especially, who worked in, I worked in the prayer room with him. This was probably like maybe only my second or third crusade. So, you know, I was trying to do everything right and don't want to say much of anything, and, you know, all of that. And plus I was a baby Christian, so I was just real, you know, timid. So, um, and I'm actually shy. I know people still don't believe that. But anyway, so I was really not, you know, saying much or anything. But 
At that particular crusade, I think it was in Washington, I'm not sure, but anyway, it was a big crusade and they were giving out these beautiful gold bookmarks that had a tassel on the end. And we gave them out to everybody who came into the prayer room and I really wanted one, but I didn't want to ask because I was like, well, I'm just working the prayer room, so maybe I'm not supposed to have one. I didn't say anything. So this particular time, we were, you know, cleaning up everything, putting all the packets away, doing everything. And my mentor was on his way back to the hotel. He walked the full length of this arena. Now that may not sound like a lot because I don't have a way to explain it to you except to say, okay, I'll explain it this way. Imagine walking out of the front door here and going toward Dwayne Reed, okay? Which is a little bit of a distance. It's not like just walking from here to the door. He walked all the way there and walked back. And he said, why didn't you just ask me? I said, what are you talking about? He said, I had to walk all the way back here to make sure you got your bookmark. I said, what? He said, well, the Holy Spirit told me you wanted a bookmark. Did you not want a bookmark? I said, no, yes, I did. He said, next time, just ask because I'm tired. I don't want to have to do all that extra walking. But that almost blew me away because I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. That was my first experience of a word of knowledge because I hadn't uttered a word, but the Holy Spirit let him know. So I was like, okay, I really want to really start understanding his presence. Another thing is, and this is great for anybody who is a student, because you know, we can still go back to school, so, or you may know students. And this is something that I used to do with my children every single morning. We would pray. And one of the parts of the prayer was that we thank the Holy Spirit that he would bring back to their remembrance everything that they learned, that they studied, and that they needed to know. So that if they had any tests or quizzes that day, that they would score high on them, bringing honor and glory to the Lord. And my children were just trained that that's what they do. When they sit down to take a test or a quiz, they would just trust the Holy Spirit to do just that. Well, he does do that. He does that for us with everything. We just have to yield ourselves to him and allow him to do it. The Holy Spirit also, you heard me say, and I truly believe this, that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. I really just stand up here, and for those who get to come to Daughters of the King, or those who get to really know me personally, they know, trust me, this is the Holy Spirit, this is not me. But the thing is, he will tell me of things while I'm standing here teaching, and that way I'm able to share it. Do you know how awesome that is when you think about it, that he will just talk to us and just share things with us? I mean, it might not be exciting to you, but since I know who I am, it's extremely exciting to me. Uh, another thing is, oh yeah, this I should share with you. Now this was a little different. I was, Stan and I were taking our youngest daughter to a birthday party. She must have been about five or six. And our son had just, our second son, our baby son, we had just dropped off at college not that long before. He was going to the University of Tampa. So he was driving, but you know, he, it wasn't like he had years and years and years of driving or anything. But anyway, we're dropping her off, and the Holy Spirit told me to call him. And I'm like, 
like, it, you have to understand, where I had to drop her off was super busy. It was sort of like dropping her off in the middle of Times Square with all this stuff going on. And I'm starting to question the Holy Spirit because I'm like, really? Can't I just call him after if, you know, we drop her off and do this? And he said, no, now. And he was very, very clear. So I said, okay, thank the Lord for our cell phones. I called my son and I said, whatever you're doing, stop. And he said, why, what? I said, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you stop. I don't know what you're doing, but just stop. He said, okay. And then he said, oh. I said, what is going on? He said, I was just coming out of Target. He said, and I was getting ready to make a right turn and I would not have seen that car. He would have hit me because it was an obstructive view. I don't know if any of you, if you've gone to Florida, some of the areas, instead of putting their signs up in the air, they put them in these cute little brick things, but you can't see around them. And that's what was happening in that instance. He couldn't see the car. So if he would have gone out of the driveway, it would have hit him. So I was grateful again, but I thought, wow, this is really cool because he's in a whole totally different state. Because again, the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter. He is omnipresent. So I thought that was wonderful. So that was just another example of something that he did. Now, the Holy Spirit will give you an alert when something is even being taught to you incorrectly. Now, I would like to believe that you never hear anybody teach you anything incorrectly at CCC New York, but I also know that we are not perfect. We can make mistakes. And I also know that we travel and, you know, we may visit other churches, which is fine. But know that he will give you an alert if something is being taught improperly. And that's why you must always guard your ear gates. Even the apostle has told us, don't just because he says something, not check it out for yourself in the word. That's why the word is there. You are supposed to do it for yourself. Don't just be so, you know, lazy, for lack of a better term, that you don't bother to do that. So in an effort not to grieve the Holy Spirit and also to fully develop our relationship with him, we must invest our time in getting to know him. Now, if a relative comes to your door, you know them and you welcome them hopefully. <laughs> you recognize their voice. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know. Um, as a matter of fact, and you don't have to turn to this because you already know it, but John 10, 27 tells you, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. Well, if a stranger comes to your door, you are generally cautious and may not allow them to enter. So it is important to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit because he always has your best interest at heart and will tell you of things to come as we just discussed. But here's the thing, God loves us so much that he loves us in spite of ourselves. He forgives us and allows us the privilege to decide whether we will believe him and his word or not. It is our choice. Many believers don't think to ask the Holy Spirit for help. I mean, you know, and we could go on and on and we're not going to waste time, but you know, there are weddings that should have never happened, divorces that should have never happened. There are jobs that never were gained and jobs that were lost that should not have been. And the list can go on and on. So in an effort to become more intimate, 
with the purpose of the Holy Spirit, we should learn as much about him as we can. Now, it's impossible to cover even a small portion of everything regarding the third person of the Godhead. To that end, we will continue our lesson with learning about the Holy Spirit in relation to his deity or divine character or nature. Turn with me to the book of Acts, the fifth chapter. We're going to read verses 3 and 4. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. And it says, now to set it up a little bit, Ananias, and you guys know this story too, but Ananias and his wife Sapphira, they were to sell a field and pretend well, what they did was they sold the field and they pretended to place all of the proceeds in the common treasury of the church, which is what they were supposed to do. However, they actually decided to keep part of the money for themselves. And they did pay a big price for it, their lives. But Acts 5, 3, 4 says, out of the Amplified, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly keep back for yourself some of the proceeds from the sale of the land? As long as it remained unsold, did it not remain your own to do with as you pleased? And after it was sold, was the money not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this act of hypocrisy and deceit in your heart? You have not simply lied to people but to God. So this lets us know that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, let me be clear. I know that you already know this, but I'm just gonna make sure we're all on the same page. You can be one person with different roles. For instance, I stand before you, I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am a wife to my husband. I am a mother to my children. I am a sister to all of you in the body of Christ. And I stand before you in the role of teacher. Yet I am still one person. So with that being said, it's not strange that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? So now we're going to see the Holy Spirit joined with the Father and Son, like in concert, if you will. Let's look at Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 18 and 19, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. And it says, Jesus came up and said to them, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's three things, right? Now, while you're right there, drop down to verse 20. This is Matthew 28, 20. I'm going to read out the Amplified, and it says them to observe everything that I have commanded you, excuse me, and lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually regardless of circumstance and on every occasion, even till the end of the age. What if that doesn't break down that he is living within us, even to the end of the age? I got to tell you something. 
There is no way that you're gonna tell me, once we go through, I have a few more to share with you, there is no way you're gonna tell me you could ever have a bad day when you realize that the Godhead is within you and all of the power is within you, literally within you. Okay, let's look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And now I gotta rifle through it, but I will. 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, 14th verse. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. This is going to be another example of the Godhead operating as one, and it's actually Paul's benediction to the church at Corinth. And it says, The grace, favor, and spiritual blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the presence and fellowship, the communion and sharing together and participation in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So be it. The Holy Spirit is also eternal. Turn with me to Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and the 14th verse. And I'm going to read that out of the Amplified as well. The next few scriptures are going to be out of the Amplified. So Hebrews 9, are you there? Okay. <laughs> it says, How much more surely shall the blood of Christ who by virtue of his eternal spirit, his own pre-existent divine personality, has offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice to God, purify our consciences from dead works and lifeless observances Sorry, to serve the ever-living God. Eternal spirit, eternal, it never ends. It never goes away. So that lets us know that the Holy Spirit is everlasting or eternal. He's also, now this is when we get these characteristics I get excited about. He's also omnipotent, which is almighty or infinite in power. And that is told to us in Luke's Gospel, the first chapter and the 35th verse. And this is actually when the angel comes to visit the Virgin Mary. So this is Luke 1, 35, in the Amplified, and it says, Then the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a shining cloud. And so the holy, pure, sinless thing, offspring, which shall be born of you, will be called the Son of God. Now, the next thing that the Holy Spirit is, is omniscient which is having complete or unlimited knowledge, awareness, or understanding, perceiving all things. What's left out of all? Exactly. So perceiving all things. We find this in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verses 6 through 16. Are you there? Okay, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Yet, when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden. But it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age or of this world, nor of the leaders and rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. 
now. I'm not gonna get into politics, but if you turn on the channels and hear anything that people are saying, this definitely proves that point. Verse seven, but rather what we are setting forth is a wisdom of God once hidden from the human understanding and now revealed to us by God. That wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age or world perceived and recognized and understood this. For if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. But on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. Don't you want to have this ever present in your life? Verse 11, for what man perceives, knows and understands, what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him. Just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. And we are setting these truths forth in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. Again, this is talking about those of us who are filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Verse 14, but the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. But the spiritual man tries all things. He examines, investigates, inquires into, questions, and discerns all things, yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appraise or get an insight into him. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. Praise God. Now, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. What else do you think he is? We already kind of talked about it. He's omnipresent, present everywhere at the same time. 
that can be found in Psalms 139, verses 7 through 13. I know, you all are getting a workout with the scriptures, but that's okay, it's good. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you out of the easy-to-read version, because it's really right to the point. And Psalm 139, starting with the seventh verse, says, Your spirit is everywhere I go. I cannot escape your presence. If I go up to heaven, you will be there. If I go down to the place of death, you will be there. If I go east where the sun rises or go to live in the west beyond the sea, even there you will take my hand and lead me. You, your strong right hand will protect me. Suppose I wanted to hide from you and said, surely the darkness will hide me. The day will change tonight and cover me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same. You form the way I think and feel. You put me together in my mother's womb. The next thing is the Holy Spirit is indeed the creator. If we go to Genesis, the first chapter, and we look at verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to read it to you out of the New King James Version. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. He is also sovereign, a person who has supreme power or authority. And this is where I said we were going to revisit the scripture and that happens to be 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And I'm going to read the first three verses to you out of the easy-to-read version. And then I'm going to switch at verse 4 to the amplified version. So those of you who have smartphones, you know, it's kind of cute because we can just flip back and forth really quickly. But if not, just write down those little translations in your notes and you can do it, you know, whenever it's convenient for you. So the first three verses, we're going to read 12 verses. The first three are going to be from the easy to read, and the rest of them are going to be from the Amplified. This is 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Starting with verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. You remember the lives you lived before you were believers. You let yourselves be influenced and led away to worship idols, things that have no life. So I tell you that no one who is speaking with the help of God's spirit says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord without the help of the Holy Spirit. Now starting with the fourth verse in the Amplified. Now there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts, special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. But it is the same spirit who grants them and empowers believers. Now I'm reading this to you because this is important because in every class I teach, there's always a question about this, where people aren't always clear when it comes to the different gifts of the Spirit, when it comes to, you know, like who receives the gift and how come this person has it and the other person doesn't and all the rest of that. So that's why this is so important. Verse five, 
and there are distinctive varieties of ministries and service, but it is the same Lord who is served. And there are distinctive ways of working to accomplish things, but it is the same God who produces all things in all believers, inspiring, energizing, and empowering them. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual illumination and the enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Holy Spirit the power to speak, the message of wisdom, and to another the power to express the word of knowledge and understanding according to the same Spirit. To another, wonder-working faith is given by the same Holy Spirit, and to another the extraordinary gifts of healings by the one spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, foretelling the future, speaking a new message from God to the people, and to another discernment of spirits, the ability to distinguish sound godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man-made religions and cults. To another, various kinds of unknown tongues, and to another, interpretation of tongues. All these things, the gifts, the achievements, the abilities, the empowering, are brought about by one and the same Holy Spirit, distributing to each one individually just as he chooses. But just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is intricate in the new birth, in the new creation. Turn with me to John's Gospel, the third chapter, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 8, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. John 3, starting with the third verse, says, Jesus answered him, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, that unless a person is born again anew from above, he cannot ever see, know, be acquainted with, and experience the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb again and be born? Jesus answered, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. What is born of from the flesh is flesh, of the physical is physical, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, do not be surprised, astonished at me telling you, you must all be born anew from above. The wind blows, breathes where it wills, and though you hear its sound, yet you neither know where it comes from nor where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. A person can, and this a lot of people don't talk about either, but why not? A person can sin against the Holy Spirit, also known as the unpardonable sin. That we can find in Matthew's gospel, the 12th chapter, and <clears throat> it's two little quick verses, 31 and 32. And I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified and then the easy to read. Matthew 12, 31 says, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy, every evil, abusive, injurious speaking, or indignity against sacred things can be forgiven men. 
But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not and cannot be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Spirit, the Holy One, will not be forgiven. Either in this world and age or in the world and age to come. And the easy to read says, so I tell you, people can be forgiven for every sinful thing they do and for every bad thing they say against God. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. You can even speak against the Son of Man and be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, not now or in the future. So we've just learned 10 attributes relating to the deity of the Holy Spirit. In part one of this lesson, we also learned, and we talked a little bit about it today, about how the Holy Spirit has a distinct personality with the mind, the will, and even emotions. You may be saying, what does this have to do with me right now? I mean, it's simply really a few things. Number one, in the Old Testament, we all know it was filled with laws. Laws were rules put into place to establish behavior and to acknowledge sin. Rules were made to avoid the sin. But in the New Testament, grace abounds. To whom much is given, what? Much more is required. In Christ, we are not slaves to rules anymore because we are recreated spirits with the Godhead inside of us. I mean, if you get nothing else out of this, I mean, I don't want us to grieve the Holy Spirit, but you've got to understand Godhead is alive in you. I mean, please get that. Let it marinate. And I can tell you now, I'm going to need a couple of more minutes because I know I'm not going to be able to finish. I'm going to do it really, really quick though. But here is the thing. When we wrap that around our minds and we can start to get that and understand that, we become unlimited in any and everything in this world. It doesn't matter if you have been given a death sentence, okay, from the doctor. Do you really? Don't even let it concern you because the Most High God lives within you. So if he lives within you, that means what? Every organ, every cell is going to be restored and it must function. It must function to the perfection that he created it to function. Why? Because he's within you. So there is no such thing as a death sentence. No, you live to declare the works of the Most High God. There is no such thing when you're sitting across the desk and they give you, I guess they still give out pink slips or whatever. Either way, they tell you you're laid off, you're fired, you know, you're not going to have any money coming in. You don't have to be concerned. Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth and the fullness thereof belongs to him. The Godhead is within you. So don't even let it phase you. When you get this, when you truly understand it, Okay, it starts to come from out of your mind and it gets into your heart. And you've heard me say it all the time. When it comes from your head and gets into your heart, it affects what you believe. And when it affects what you believe, it affects what comes out of your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth literally shapes the world that you live in. But you've got to get this, church. All of the power of the same God who said, 
let there be light, and it was, is the same one who, if you yield your mouth, will speak out of it. So if you're sitting and you're looking, you know, because people, it, it's, I get it, because even though we stand strong and we know the word and, you know, we can sometimes fall prey to all the stuff that comes on TV and you go into every store. I mean, you could go into the gas station and they have Christmas stuff up. I mean, really? And they're not doing it because they're celebrating Jesus. They're doing it because they want you to spend money on buying something, okay? And it does have a tendency sometimes to affect people because they look at the situation and it's not like your job came, I mean, maybe it did. I never worked on a job, okay, where they came and said, Oh, it's Christmas, so we're going to give you another $5,000 for you to go shopping. I mean, has that happened for anybody else? No. They usually just say Merry Christmas, and you're supposed to take that same paycheck, and you're supposed to figure out, out of that paycheck, how you're supposed to buy whatever it is that you want to buy for different people. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The greatest gift that you can give those that you know is the gift of sharing the fact that Jesus can come into their lives and the power of the entire Godhead can live with inside of them. I'll never forget, I was sitting and one day we were talking, you know, and, and even before I tell you that, here's the thing we have to understand. When you sit and you look at big businessmen, and you know, I, I'm talking about people even in the 1%, you know, they're millionaires, billionaires, and all the rest of that. When they sit down at the dinner table with their families, their conversation is a reflection of that. They don't sit down and talk about the housewives of Atlanta, okay? That's not what's happening at their dinner table, okay? They're talking about what next business they want to start, and you know, what is the rate of, of investment and the rate of return. It's a whole different conversation that starts happening with their kids when they're three and four years old. So it's no wonder that when they grow up, they grow up expecting to be successful, because this is all that they've heard all their lives, okay? Well, guess what? Family, we can do the same thing. We have something greater than anything this world has at our disposal. Are we sitting around talking about it? Do we share it with our family and friends? You know, we come in and we're praying and we're asking the Lord, oh, we're believing for, you know, my cousin over here to be born again. And we're believing for my sister. I don't want her to die and go to hell. Well, what are you all talking about? Okay, when they come over, what are you doing? What are you saying? Are you sharing with them the glory and the good news of the gospel? Do you ever talk about that? I will say, we were having a conversation once at my house and we were talking about legacy. And my daughter said something to me that truly blessed me. And she said, you know, she said, you guys may not have given us everything that money could buy, you know. You may not have had everything to just hand to us and cash, you know, to burn, but you gave us something. You gave us a legacy that is far greater than anything that anybody else could give. You gave us the word. And not just that, you live the word. It is who you are. That you gave to us with that, we can accomplish anything because we understand who we are in Christ. 
And you know, I hadn't thought about it because you just do stuff. You know, you're not necessarily thinking about it. But that blessed me so because I was like, well, praise the Lord. That's what I wanted to do. That's what the whole goal is so that they can take that now and they can do whatever it is that they need, whatever it is that they want because they know God is within them and the power that is within them. It's the same as within the Most High God. Praise the Lord. Uh, the other thing is, we have a tendency sometimes, now I'm not going to say all of you do it, but sometimes you may find that people sometimes bring the world's standards, because the world is full of rules. We already know that. <laughs> we get that. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does for us as believers is it allows us to flow with each other. Okay, on one accord. We can just flow because the Holy Spirit is within us. But sometimes we get a little tripped up and we bring the rules of the world and the things that they tell us on our job and we bring it into church and we think we're going to be successful with that. It's not going to work. It's like taking a basketball game and giving them a football and telling them to put it through the hoop. It, it's not going to work, okay? So we need to be mindful of that. So don't ever bring your work mindset with the rules established from the world into church and, and think you're going to flow. You're not. You have to understand, and I'm sure you do, but we don't always talk about it, so that's why we're talking about it today. We have two different realms. There is the earth realm and there is the spirit realm. They are in juxtaposition always to each other. Now, the earth realm is this three-dimensional realm in which we live. But the spirit realm, that's God's kingdom. You cannot be royalty in the kingdom of God and use the rules of this world. It will not work. And why would you want to? Don't come down from your throne. Don't come down from your throne to deal with the stuff in this world. Turn with me to Romans, the eighth chapter. I know. The people who come to my, the people who know me know how I feel about this throne. But anyway, Romans the 8th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 17 out of the New King James Version. And it says, for as many are, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by who? we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Why would you want to come down from the throne? Don't ever do that. If nothing is worth doing that. Because here's something else to think about. When you choose to descend from your rightful place on the throne, don't you think it grieves the Holy Spirit? I mean, think about that for a minute. Do you think it grieves him? I mean, after all, think about this. God the Father sent his unique and only begotten Son, Jesus, to the cross to reconcile us to him. Jesus took on our sin and then he laid down his life. 
He defeated the enemy forevermore. He rose again to sit at the right hand of his father. But when he did that, he also established a seat for us as his joint heirs, if we only believe it. But now on top of that, the Holy Spirit was provided for us as our helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby. So when we choose to negate all of this and wallow in our own depths of unnecessary despair, perhaps, just maybe, the Holy Spirit, the entire Godhead for that matter, might just be grieved. What do you think? Yes, I think they would be very grieved. This is exactly why you cannot bring the Godhead down to your level of natural humanistic thought and understanding. That is what religion does. A relationship with God takes you up in to the level, up to the level really of Jesus. And he gave his life for us to be joint heirs with him. Turn with me to Galatians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Galatians 4, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified and then out of the King James. The Amplified says, do you have it? Okay. The Amplified says, and because you really are his sons, God has sent the Holy Spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Father. Therefore, excuse me, you are no longer a slave, a bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then it follows that you are an heir by the aid of God through Christ. Now, the New King James Version of the same verses of Scripture says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I mean, you know, this may just sound like no big deal to you. It is so exciting to me. Okay, you know, we sit and we're never supposed to judge people and you shouldn't do that. But when you really can get a hold of all that God has provided for you, when you can get a hold of how much you mean to him, there's no way you can ever have another bad day. There is no way you can ever feel bad. There is no way you can ever feel down. There is really no way, if you really grab hold to it, that you can be depressed. Yeah, we're going to have some challenges. Okay, they're going to come. But the good news is, he's already overcome all of that. So we don't even have to be concerned with that. As a matter of fact, turn with me, and this is really quick, but you need to hear this. <sighs> Go to John's Gospel. Okay, please phone work for me now. Uh, and, okay, wait, wait, no, see, this is why I really am not in love with this. 
whole thing. I like the electronic stuff, but you know, sometimes it doesn't always do what I want it to do. But, okay, good, you did it, thanks. All right, <laughs> sorry. John's Gospel, we're gonna look at the 16th chapter and we're gonna read the last verse, the 33rd verse. This, if you're ever, you know, doubting any of this or you're feeling like, oh, I don't know, or the challenge is too big, read this. And it says, I have told you, this is Jesus speaking. This actually is one of my favorite chapters in the whole entire Bible because this is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this, if you, and you can jot that down if you're not familiar with John 16, read it in its entirety because it will truly get you to understand the heart of Jesus where you're concerned. But this 33rd verse of chapter 16 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you may have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you, and I have conquered it for you. There is nothing in this world that can be of any challenge to you. He's conquered it all. He has conquered it all. So it is imperative, church, <laughs> that we develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit the same way that we cultivate our relationship with our Heavenly Father and Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We should not show love and appreciation to one person in the Godhead and forget about another. It seems the church at large has not been taught to cultivate their relationship with the person of the Godhead who was sent to be our comforter, helper, and guide. Obviously, the God of this world, Satan, wants to keep it that way. And the enemy has a very good reason for this, and I will tell you why. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. God accomplishes nothing, no thing, in this earth realm, except through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit operates through the body of Christ, the church. The body of Christ without the Holy Spirit is just like a corpse where the spirit and soul have left the physical body, also known as physical death. Just like a person's spirit and soul animate their physical bodies, allowing them to function, move, talk, breathe, etc., the Holy Spirit animates the body of Christ and empowers it to do the will of the Most High God. We need to do more than just know the Holy Spirit exists. We need to develop a strong relationship with Him and cooperate with Him so that we can do God's will with excellence, bringing honor and glory to the kingdom. With that being said, we always want the Holy Spirit present where? In our local body of Christ, our local congregation. Think about it. If we do not invite his presence, if we grieve him, we are essentially doing the same thing to God our Father and Jesus our Lord and Savior. Well, God sees us, his children. He has provided everything that we will ever need. But many of us get too busy to open his word his love letter and book of instructions to us, resulting in us being deficient in areas of our lives, whether it is physically, 
financially, emotionally, or spiritually. Do you think he might be grieved? A lot of believers love the Lord, but instead of them doing as the just are supposed to do and live by faith, they're living in fear, and they don't realize that all fear is is false evidence appearing real. When the Holy Spirit is welcomed into our congregation, he is allowed to direct us, to show us what we are to do. He has plans for us corporately as well as individually. We want and need his presence as our helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. He will show us exactly what to do to build his kingdom and be successful in every area of our lives. Well, I trust that this lesson has offered you another way to look at, to greet, to understand, to treat, and to appreciate the presence of the Holy Spirit. May you cultivate your relationship with him, open up your heart to offer a standing invitation for his presence. May you please, please, please grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.